Welcome to the Heal Through Play podcast, where we explore healing through play. I'm your host, Lisa Dovgish, and I'm a spiritual life coach, energy healer, light code activator, improviser, and self-proclaimed meme lord. (laughs) My goal with this podcast is to bring light into the otherwise dark process of shadow work and healing by featuring guests from all walks of life who share their stories of healing mental, emotional, and even physical wounds through the magic of playfulness. Whether that be performing improv, creating art, doing yoga, choosing to be silly and lighthearted, or anything else in between. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today on the podcast, we have my very good friend, Juliana Coons, who is a therapist and uh, also someone that I met in my very first improv class, which is super exciting. So we've been friends for like five years. It's been a while. Uh, But yeah, I'll... Somewhere around there, right? I I think it's longer than that because... uh... I graduated in 2016. Really? Uh, From the institution? Oh, you know what? You know what? No. I meant meant grad school. No, you're right. It's five years. It's five years. It's been five years. So I'll hand it over to Julie to introduce herself and just chat a little bit about what she does. I'm Juliana Coons. I usually go by Julie. And uh, I'm a psychotherapist in private practice in Austin. Um, And I mostly work with adults these days. But uh, in my last job, I worked uh, pretty much exclusively with uh, youth and families. So that was kids up to the age of 18 and their parents and, and families. And so I have some background in, in grad school. I was trained in uh, play therapy. And so I got to use a lot of those skills uh, in my previous job. And I'm not working with any kids except for teenagers directly now, but I do use a model that's called child parent relationship therapy. And that's where I'm teaching parents about play therapy type skills that they can use with their kids at home. Yeah. Yeah. It's perfect. And that was exactly why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because, you know, you have that experience of the added experience of also doing improv, right. And kind of seeing the parallels there. I remember thinking back to our very first, uh, our improv class that we took together, improv 101 at the institution theater, which rest in power, uh, is now gone. (laughs) Right. But, uh, yeah, that used to be our spot. And I remember, you know, the thing that was like the most fascinating to me was just how diverse the class was, how there was like people that were in real estate, therapists like yourself, you know, students like myself at the time, student, just all over the place. And I feel like there's, you know, some aspects to improv and to just that that playfulness to speak on. So I would love to get kind of like your perspective of where the where any overlaps you see in you know your therapy practice like what you saw doing improv so you're asking me like what what are connections between doing improv and what I was doing as a therapist yeah 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 well I mean I would say that like one essential aspect of every type of therapy is just the relationship right it's like you're making a connection between two people and the connection in itself is healing, right? The, when they look at 
like outcome things that determine how how well therapy goes right the nature of the relationship the connection between two people is one of the most important factors and so just in an improv class there's so much connection happening right there's so much people people forming you know friendships that can last again like five years after the class is over but even just in the moment in that class even when you're just in a scene with somebody you're making a connection with two people and that that in and of itself is very healing i would say yeah i um, love that so th that's one parallel that's really easy to see right and then another parallel that i would say is that another you know dimension in therapy that has a lot to do with the outcome is whether people are learning to sort of face and master their fears and things that they previously avoided, right? Is it helping them to get confident in doing and facing things that, that they've shied away from in the past, right? So if you take an improv class and let's say, you know, you have social anxiety, being around other people is hard for you, you usually avoid it, or being spontaneous with other people is hard for you, you usually avoid it. And if that class is the thing that pushes you past that fear, right? and gets you to really engage in that to a point where you feel comfortable with it, right? That would be a real aspect that would be healing, I would say. And then, you know, the, the third thing that comes to mind, you know, in terms of the parallels would be that a lot of therapy can be about expressing yourself and being able to express a range of feelings and sort of put your story together, right? And if you're an improv class and you're able to find a way through a character to express an emotion or express part of your experience, and um, sort of put that into a story or put words around it or whatever, then that could be, that's another thing that occurs to me, right, as a parallel. Yeah, I love that. And I want to quickly pause because I just thought of this and I want to like officially say it on the podcast. But, uh, you know, I was thinking about our, you know, our episode uh, this past week and something that pops to my head very often, especially when I think about therapy, is you, is uh, Julie, because when I was in college, Julie was actually the person that, the, the funny thing about improv, this is like a side note, is, you know, you get people from all walks of life, like I just said. So I had, you know, I made so many friends who were like way older than me and, you know, around my age and just a very diverse group of people. And so having someone like Julie as a friend was very valuable, especially being a therapist, because she was like, listen, you're in college right now. So what I recommend is while you're there, you gave me two pieces of advice. We were in the car together. I think we were coming back from like a, do you remember this? I remember this. Uh, yeah, it was, it, this was amazing. So yeah, Julie goes, so make sure you take advantage of the career services at your school because like they're free and, you know, and then she said, and while you have, you know, the health insurance through the school, go to therapy. And I was like, yeah, good idea. So I did both of those things. And I ended up, uh, you know, getting my first internship, because I had advantage of the career services. Actually, my first internship was from another person that was in our 101 class, uh, Megan, and who was who's still with Sebastian, but you know, we were in a troop together, it was a whole thing. But yeah, so that ended up coming out of improv. But anyway, you know, I wouldn't have had been able to like build the resume the time and then also I wouldn't have been able to like work through a lot of the emotional turmoil of being in college and you know prioritizing therapy if it hadn't been for Julie and that conversation so we can give give Julie some credit for like getting me on my self-help journey <laughs> right if it hadn't been for her 
I wouldn't be as adamant about all this stuff and healing and all these things. So, you know, props to you. Uh, I just wanted to say it because I, yeah, I've been well, thinking about I mean, it all I week. Mean, <laughs> but props to you also because you actually did it, right? I mean, advice is cheap, but <laughs> actually going to therapy, you know, it takes dedication. Yeah, it sure does. And I love my therapist too. It was great. You know, the few that I had, but yeah, so I want to get back into, thank you for sharing all of that about improv too. Uh, and all of those parallels. It's, it's very interesting to hear, you know, those parallels and seeing how that healing can occur in just an improv class without the intention of it being there, right? Like you're just there to have fun. And then you start to build these social skills and you start to, you know, get out of your comfort zone and start, uh, you know, facing your fears and just all of these really powerful things. So, you know, thank you for speaking on that. Something that I want to ask you is what, and I actually, I actually don't know this. I don't think we ever talked about this, uh, is what got you to want to take an improv class in the first place? Mm-hmm. I think that's something I had in the back of my mind for a while. And, um, you know, I, I grew up like uh, loving Whose Line Is It Anyway? I used to watch that on TV, which is it's just my favorite. And, you know, I used to watch reruns like whenever I was depressed just to like cheer myself up. And, you know, at that time I was going through a separation and I just, you know, wanted something new and fun in my life. So I think that's what got me to do it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's good to know that because we never talked about that. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, and so I want to also dive into, was there anything else that you wanted to share about the parallels between what, you, what you've seen in improv and therapy? Was there anything else that you wanted to add? No, that's all that I could think okay. of. Perfect. Moment, but, Perfect. you know, probably someone's done research on this. I mean, yes, there has been a lot of research and I'm hoping to get the, um, there's one, there's one psychologist who's done uh, a lot of research on it and I'm hoping to get him on the podcast. We'll see. I know. Yeah. We had another guest who's actually friends with him, knows him somehow, you know, they're, they're acquaintances, I guess. And so I was like, Hey, reach out to him. You know, I want to get him on the podcast. So hopefully we get him. But so now I want to dive into the play therapy of it all. Right. Because that's the, that's really fascinating to me. And so can you just speak a little bit more on what is play therapy, your experience with it? Yeah. So, I mean, it once was, I can't claim to have actually officially done play therapy because I would, I was never certified. There is a certification registered play therapist. I didn't ever go for that because it's not the main part of what I did in my practice, but in terms of my experience of being trained in that and using those skills, there's a lot of different types of play therapy out there just like there's a lot of types of therapy for adults. And so the type that I was trained in is called child-centered play therapy. And that's, it's called a non-directive form of therapy because you're not saying like, okay, here's our our activity or here's what we're gonna do. It's that basically you have a kind of playroom that's set up specifically for that. And so you tend to have specific kinds of toys that are designed specifically to help kids express certain things, right? Like you have a, you want to have a range of different toys. Like they say in that model um, that play is a child's language and their words are toys. So you want to give them enough words that they can express whatever they want to express. And then at the beginning of the session, you bring the child into the playroom and you say something like, this is a special playroom. And in here you can play with the toys in a lot of the ways that you'd like to. And that's all you say, right? And then you sit down 
you know, you usually have a stool or something that you can roll around the room because you're going to have to move. But you, you sit down and you're silent and you wait and see what the kid does, right? And then whatever they do, you're sort of following them around, not, you know, not like in their face or anything, but you're just, you're watching them and seeing what they do. And then if they're doing things, you're just lightly verbally tracking what they're doing to let them know that you're paying attention, right? Like, oh, you decided to play with the blocks or you're trying that one on, right? And you're, you're not necessarily putting labels on the things, right? <laughs> this is a difficult part for us to learn in training. Like if they pick up the, you know, the cow, you're not saying, oh, you picked up the cow. You're saying you picked up that one because for all you know, for them, it's not a cow right? Maybe it's a buffalo. Right. So you're, you're trying not to put your assumptions on what, on what they're doing, but you're trying to verbally track what they're doing so that they know that you're paying attention and, and you're trying to understand. And you're trying to internally let yourself enter their world through their play. And then if they start to talk, right, you're just going to reflect back what they say in your own words. They say, oh, this house is burning down. And you just say, it's burning down, right? And you're not doing it annoyingly, like you have to pair it back every single thing they said, but you're verbally letting them know that you heard them, right? And then they might invite you into their play, right? They might say, um, okay, now you be the zombie, right? And you're going to take direction from them, right? Exactly as though this is a, this is a movie or a play and they're directing the scene. So you would, you would, you know, whisper to them, okay, what does the zombie do, Right. Because you, you want to know if you're playing your role correctly, right, in their play. And so you can enter their play like that, and then you have something interactive, but you're always taking their cues in terms of what you're supposed to be doing. And those are really the essential skills. The other one would be limit setting, right, which is uh, there are certain limits in the playroom, right? They're not allowed to destroy the toys, except for the ones that are meant to be destroyed, right? Like if you had some egg cartons or something in there that's on purpose for them to smash. Um, they're not allowed to attack you, right? There's just a few basic limits. And so you have to maintain that, right? If they're trying to, you know, shoot the, the dart gun at you, then you say, oh, I know you want to shoot me, but I'm not for shooting. You can shoot at the, the punching bag instead, right? Or whatever. And those are the main things. And you're, you're just really creating this play together. And you can start to make some comments in the process that enlarge the meaning a little bit, right? So instead of commenting directly on, oh, you're picking up that block, right? Making a comment about the whole story. You know, wow, a lot of rough things keep happening to this person. And again, you're, you're just showing that you understand their world and you understand what's right. going on. And that's wow. the process. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. It is. It's, it's very engaged, but it's also very passive because you're just observing, which is wonderful. Cause I think there's this misconception often with therapy that it's this like, it, it's this very actionable thing, right? It's like, oh, which it's, with the stories that you've told me, right? It's like people kind of, and not to speak down on any, you know, parents, but sometimes parents come in and they're just like, fix my kid, right? And so they like expects you to just, you know, do something mm -hmm. that'll, that'll, you know, fix them. And it's like, that's uh -huh. not how it works, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm curious, what kind of insights do you gain? Just, you know, I'm sure there's like so many and you can't possibly go over all of them, but, you know, what kind of insights are you looking for and are you gaining through that uh, methodology? I'm glad that you say that because the, the main point in a, in a theory, um, in an orientation of therapy like that, right, is that you're, you're exercising a radical faith in kids. 
that they have the ability to work through their own problems, right? And you're there to support them. Whereas, you know, the parents that say, fix my child, it's an orientation to someone that says they need to be fixed, they need to be told what to do. Um, and if you're going to do a non-directive therapy like that, you really have to have this faith, right? Um, I don't need to make anything happen. I don't need to preach to them. I don't need to tell them what to think. I just need to be with them and have faith that in this process between us, we're going to, you know, we're going to work through it. And you can be, when you first come to that, you may not believe it, right? And you, <laughs> and you come to believe it in the process of doing that kind of work where it's really borne out right? That you see that kids make changes and you have to be patient. And sometimes it's small at first, right? And as the therapist, you may never know exactly what was going on with that kid. You may never know exactly what shifted, but you just, you just see that it does, right? So the kid that comes in and, and um, they're completely silent for the first two, three, four or five sessions and you're not pressuring them to speak. You're allowing them to be silent and you're just being with them. And then all of a sudden, one day in the session, they start talking, right? Or it, it's the kid that comes in and, and you know the main theme of their play is failure, failure, failure. The main character is always failing. And then all of a sudden, one day you're sitting with them and, and something changes in the plot. This, this character starts to succeed, right? And it's just, it's just astonishing to watch, right? And then it's astonishing to be in these moments where maybe you know a little bit about what's going on with this kid and then you see what they're they're doing in their in their play and you can see the connection between the two how this kid is putting their story into their play and really expressing their truth and and so you get those little glimpses right in, into change and insight but there's never a moment where you're like oh this is exactly what happened does that make sense yeah yeah for sure no, I love that. There, there's so much there that it just, it lit me up completely when you were talking about that children can fix themselves, right? It's like they, they will work through it on their own just through this play. And that just makes me think of the bigger picture of how much we work through on our own without even realizing it, right? And how much children how much they are durable right how much how strong they are and we don't even realize it and it just makes me think of play in such a new light that it has the ability and perhaps even is designed to help heal through things right and to work things out and to emotionally you know and 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 of course that brings me to improv always because you know, improv is like play for, for adults. <laughs> right. And of course there's, you know, uh, kids improv and improv for teens and stuff, but mostly it's adults doing, doing, uh, improv and the formal art of improv. And yeah. And it just makes me think of how healing that art form is when we see that example in children through play therapy, how improv can also be seen as like an adult version of play therapy. And I've had, you know, guests on this podcast who have come on and, and said, you know, I come to the stage and I'm able to like, you know, something pissed me off earlier in the week. And so then I have a scene where I'm able to just like put all that emotion into it. And then I'm able to have that catharsis and that release. Right. And so, yeah, I'm just seeing parallels there. And I, I just think that's so cool. Yeah, 
Yeah, totally. So I want to talk, uh, was there anything else that you wanted to add about play therapy? Any like stories you wanted to share anything else? I mean, you know, unfortunately I can't always share all the details of the story because these things are confidential, but, but yeah, you know, it, it's, it's amazing to watch what kids do. Right. And, and their, their eloquence with it. Right. But I, I think it's, it's the same as, like you say, improv, right. Or people who do uh, drama therapy or art therapy or dance movement therapy, right. Or any of that, even if you're not an artist, you know, quote unquote, people have an amazing way of putting their feelings, you know, into a medium, no matter what that is. Right. Yeah, the expression is is key here, right? It's like just finding an avenue of expression and taking that to its limits, you know, being able to not hold yourself back, hold yourself back from anything, right? Because kids, they don't, you know, they generally don't, right? They're gonna, they're gonna put unless they've been conditioned to, but normally, like very young kids, you find them to right, right. The, the kids very naturally can play. Kids have to be very, very traumatized before they lose the ability to play. Um, right. But, you know, adults oftentimes along the way have lost that ability. Yeah. Yeah. So then there's that like reconditioning or deconditioning, right? That happens, that deconstruction of societal norms and things like that. Yeah, that's awesome. So I wanted to also chat about some of some of the stuff you're doing recently with adults. And what was it that there was a phrase that you used that I've forgotten already? Oh, well, the thing that I've been trading in recently is called intensive short-term dynamic psychotherapy. Okay. What was the one that you, you were saying about oh, helping oh, oh. parents? Oh, with the parents. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm sorry. No, you're like, good. It was, it's my, my bad. Other acronym that no one can ever remember. <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's my bad for not remembering what it was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ch- child, child parent relationship therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Can you speak a little bit more about that? Yeah, totally. So child parent relationship therapy was really developed by the same people who did child centered play therapy, because the idea is right you know, if you can create so much change by developing a therapeutic relationship with a child, right, with a therapist who's only with that kid for an hour every week, right, and maybe you only see them for 10, 15, 20 weeks or something like that, how much more of a difference would you make if you could create that same kind of situation, but with the parents who are with that child all the time, right? And so child-parent relationship therapy is, it's like a 10-week curriculum, and you can do it with an individual parent or you can do it with a group of parents. It's actually more fun to do with a group of parents, in my opinion. It can be hard to, to schedule multiple parents, you know, to, to be able to make a group. But you, you teach them these play therapy skills. And in my opinion, the funnest part of that whole thing is that in order to practice these skills that they're going to use with their kids, you have to role play it, right? So if you're like in a group of parents, right? Uh, Let's say you have six parents there and you tell them to pair off and you brought a bunch of toys and you're like, take whatever toys you want. You're going to take turns being the kid. And so then you have this whole room of parents who are playing with each other. (laughs) This is the best thing that you could have shared with me. (laughs) It's literally, literally the best thing ever. And, you know, sometimes at first they're very hesitant. They're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then after a few minutes, everyone is smiling, you know, 
And it's just like, it's just magic, I would say. That's not the part that's supposed to be, you know, that's just supposed to be the training part, but I almost feel like this is a treatment in itself. It's even better, do. right? It's like a added benefit that you didn't even realize was there. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know how much it helps the parents, but it always brightened my day, you know, every time. <laughs> right. I'm sure it does though. I mean, because if, if they're being told to like, you know, hey, now you're role playing a child, I'm sure so much of their inner child, right? Because they're pulling from experience, you know, yeah. I mean, maybe they're, maybe they're role playing their child, right? But like, there's only so much of that you can do until you just bring yourself into it. <laughs> right? right? So yeah, right. I'm sure it's very healing for the parents as well. And, you know, unintentionally. Yeah. So then can you talk a little more oh, about oh, yeah. so, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. the rest of it? I'm sorry. <laughs> So no, we got carried away with just that because that's so beautiful. <laughs> it's such a wonderful, yeah. So you're teaching the parents these skills, the same skills that any play therapist would, would use with a child. You're, you're teaching to the parents, not quite on as advanced a level, but on a basic level. And then what they do is they go home and they have like, after the first three weeks, they have a 30 minute play session at home with their kid every week and they video record it. And then the parents take turns bringing the video of their play session back and showing it to the group right? And the facilitator who, who's ever leading it, right? The therapist. And so you're actually getting to watch these videos of parents playing with their own kids. And that also was pure magic, right? That you're getting to see how they're connecting in a new way and how the kid is expressing their feelings through that play with their parent and being able to, first of all, affirm them in that and say, wow, look how you two are connecting. Look what a strong relationship you have, right? Look how much fun you're having together. But also to help them see nuances, right, in their kids' play that they haven't seen before. And also seeing this beautiful piece um, for me, for some reason, kids have this way of feeling where their parents are stuck, right, and pushing on that. It's almost like children have this, have this desire to want to help their parents grow. Can't prove that, but it, it just shows up over and over again, right? So for example, I had a woman in, in CPRT and she the, the one thing she did not she did not want to see aggressive play right she did not want to see her kid playing about like fighting or killing or anything like that and guess what he played about every single time every time <laughs> every single time and it just sort of came out right that this mom like she just never feels safe in the world and she just she can't think about violence because it brings too much up for her i was saying how wonderful that your kid is is giving you an opportunity to face this issue in yourself. You know, she probably needed more therapy after that, right? But just by realizing that this was coming up for her, this was a huge piece of self-awareness. And insofar that she was then able to sit with her, her kid when, when he was playing like with aggressive themes, whereas before she would have shut him down, that probably changed their whole relationship right yeah. there. Wow. That is, oh my God, there's so many stories that you're telling me that I'm like, what a miracle, what magic, you know, <laughs> but I do want to speak on that, you know, that dynamic of children being like teachers to their, uh, yeah, pushing their parents, right? Because mm -hmm. that is something that I have briefly looked into and from the millions of books that I read. And I believe it's the Celestine Prophecy and then the Celestine Vision, which is the non- uh, fiction version of that book you know it's just this like crazy story with all of these like awakening ascension concepts and something that it talks about is how 
and th this is very true, you know, historically, every generation is helping to, you know, evolve humanity, right? So like with every generation, we are meant to expand our consciousness into, you know, more love, more empathy, more understanding, all of these different concepts that, you know, of course, we all want to strive to. And I feel like that is such a incredible example of that happening on the small scale, right? And happening in just one-on-one -on -one relationships, because that's where it starts, right? Is those one-on-one -on -one relationships. And then on a bigger level, right? We then, you know, it trickles out into now we're becoming more conscious, you know, in our relationships to people of other races from other countries you know we want to make sure that we're being empathetic and kind and and all of these different things right so yeah that's that's such an incredible and the fact I love that you said that it shows up again and again right over and over again so then that just goes to show that it's like wow even even if like you said you can't prove it right maybe that maybe you can right maybe we can like maybe there's research that can be done right and then um if in a controlled setting right uh if anyone wants to you know if anyone that's listening is like a scientist and wants to <laughs> you know look into this yeah no that that is so magical and so incredible wow thank you so much for sharing that you know i, I would even say further to that point right that humans have an instinct to love and one of the facets of that right is we have this motive to help each other grow we have a motive to grow and we have a motive to help each other grow and that can show up in any relationship right it shows up so powerfully right in the parent-child relationship because this is such a strong strong relationship such an important relationship but it can show up in any relationship one of my favorite papers that was ever that i've ever read in the field of psychotherapy this uh, psychoanalyst named searles harold searles I think I'm getting that right. He wrote this paper called The Patient as Therapist to His Analyst. And he's basically saying like, you know, even the most disturbed patients, sometimes they're trying to heal their analyst, you know, in, in their behavior. And the analyst might not even realize how is this patient pushing them to grow, right? That it goes, it goes both ways. You can't have a healing relationship without it, it influencing and, and helping both people to grow, really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that parallel because yeah, it's like any it's, it's the duality, right? It's like the polarity of, you know, the teacher is the student and the student is the teacher. Because yeah, even in my own business, I, I see that all the time. And I say this to my clients, I'm like, I'm fucking learning with you. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, we're in this together, you know? Sometimes y'all say some stuff and I'm like, dang, like, that's so true. Or like, I'll be giving, you know, some kind of advice or, or you know, explaining a concept. And I'm like, why am I not following my own advice? You know, like, why am I, like, I'm like learning as I'm talking, I'm like, oh yeah, that's like, let me keep that in mind this week, you know? Wow. I love that. And then, yeah. And translating that to the parent child relationship. Yeah. Wow. 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 That's amazing. I love that. I love, I love this whole conversation. This is great. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Such good content. But yeah. So I love just, you know, obviously you and I, have had so many conversations around therapy and I love hearing all of your all of your takes on it and all the different things that you're learning and your experiences and stuff and so I want to just ask you if you just have like anything about therapy that you want to speak on in regards to play not in regards to play you know just like whatever you want to whatever you want to share as a therapist this is, this is a dangerously broad question. I know, it's very broad. So, you know, just, 
try to think of the topic of the podcast, but also it's all, it's all because they just love to hear you talk about this stuff. So I'm like, oh, just <laughs> give me more. <laughs> and also, um, Julie for a while had a pretty funny Facebook page, which was, what was it? What was it called? It was like uh, therapy. Yeah, it was called it, 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 Everything is about therapy. Everything is about therapy, which you would just relate things you know to therapy which I yeah. completely agree with and so I'm like thinking about that as I'm asking you right right it kind of came out of like my mental habit that I just couldn't like no matter what I was thinking about I couldn't help thinking about how it related to therapy so I was writing about it and then you know it went defunct because I got busy right but anyway yeah that was that was fun some of those old articles are still up on my website I'm not actively writing them anymore I mean you know, the message that I'd, I'd like to give the whole world about therapy, right, is just, if you're interested, just try it, right? And, you know, the other piece of advice I would give is like, you know, some people get discouraged because they, you know, they see one therapist and it didn't really help them or whatever. And there's a whole world of therapy out there, right? And there are people that want to tell you, right, that, well, cognitive behavioral therapy is the only kind that really works or whatever, and that is not true. <laughs> uh, that is not true in the slightest, right? What the, what the research actually says is, yeah, therapy works, but in terms of does one type of therapy work better than another? Yes, in narrow areas of you know, dealing with a specific type of illness, maybe some types come out ahead of others, but in general, all types of therapy work. And so if you've tried one and it hasn't worked for you, you can try something else. I think a lot of people get discouraged and they, and they give up. And I want to empower people to be able to try different things and, and find out what works for them. And that it doesn't have to be, right? Just this narrow of like, talk about your problem and talk about a solution. Because if you're a type who's creative, there are types of therapies that are creative out there, right? There are therapists that are trained in those things and totally try that. And also that, you know, therapy is, you know, in my mind, amazing and hundred percent worthwhile, but there's so many other things that you can also do in your life, right? That whatever activities you're doing that connect you to other people, that bring you joy, that help you express yourself, that push you outside of your comfort zone, whatever it is that you're doing that does those things, no matter what, it's going to help you. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. I know I, I could listen to you freaking talk all day long, you know, I'm probably a, we'll like schedule a hangout pretty soon and we'll just spend three yeah. hours talking about, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to. Yeah. So I'm going to get more. You guys are just getting this. <laughs> I, know. I get more than you. <laughs> um, but yeah, let me see. Was there anything else? I feel, I feel pretty um, complete about everything we've spoken about. Was there anything that we haven't touched on that you wanted to, you know, share about? No, not really, but this has been really fun. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Okay. So I asked Julie before the episode if there was anything she wanted to promote. She said no. She said she's got more referrals than she knows what to do with. <laughs> so no promotion for Julie today. But you know, if uh, if there's any resources that you have for the audience, therapy resources, otherwise, you know, we'll have those in the show notes for you guys. And yeah, otherwise, uh, that that's it right? We, we chatted about everything. Normally I ask the guests one last question, which is, you know, what message 
would you give to the listeners if you just had one message? But you already answered that, so <laughs> you you already gave our you already gave our answer, you know. Unless there was another message that you wanted to share. Yeah, no, I think that's you know yep. the main message that I want to give is perfect. Is, is there's hope and you know keep keep trying things and sometimes it takes a while, you know, for sure. If you're if you're on a healing journey and yeah, you know the, the same way right? That an essential part of like play therapy, for example, is having faith, having faith in the kid, right? When we're on a healing journey, an essential element can be having faith in ourselves. Wow. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, I love your message too, of just like trying different types of therapy because yeah, just that there are so many resources out there. There are so many avenues and you don't have to feel boxed in to anything, you know, and that's been a big lesson for me recently too, because I've been going through such a big shift in my business. And I think even just outside of your healing journey, right, just in life, a lot of us put ourselves in these boxes. And this is something I've talked about with other guests on this podcast is that conditioning that happens of ways of being that we get stuck in and uh, ways of thinking that we get stuck in and, you know, societal conditioning and things like that. And how things like improv and things like therapy, right, or play therapy, or, you know, what you've been doing with with parents um, and being able to break those patterns, break that conditioning and build those new connections and build new communication tools, right, and build just these incredible, incredible skills, there's, there's so much out there for you guys. So yeah, definitely be curious, right? Keep, keep exploring, you know, don't give up just because the traditional, you know, approach to therapy didn't work for you. Alrighty. Well, Julie, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, I just, I love talking to you. I love you as a human and yeah, thank you so much. All right. Well, until next time. Bye guys. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Heal Through Play podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review and feel free to share your thoughts with me through an Instagram DM. I'd love to hear about how this episode resonated with you. Also, please check the show notes for links on how you can connect with me and the guest of today's podcast. There's also a link for a form you can fill out if you'd like to be featured on the podcast and share your stories of healing through the energy of playfulness. I also have incredible offerings for psychic readings, energy healing sessions, and light code activations. So if you're feeling called to do healing work with me one-on-one, then please send me a DM or a voice note on Instagram at Lisa Dovegish so we can dive into it together and see what kind of magic we can create in your life. And I also post some pretty dank memes. So whether you're interested in healing or just laughing your ass off, join the Instagram community. Again, thank you for tuning into this episode, and I can't wait to connect with you. Until next time.